Hey, confidants, it's Teresa. Thanks for listening to You Can Tell Me Anything. Hey, count to five with me. One, two, three, four, five. Oh my God, five stars would be so cool if you left five stars for this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, just go to your iTunes app, go to You Can Tell Me Anything and click leave a review, five stars. If you want to write a, write a written review, um, that would be amazing. And if you send that to me, send me a picture via screenshot, you know, on the Twitter, on the Instagram, via email, um, mail it to me. Don't do that because um, I'm not going to give you my address. But send me um, a screenshot of your five-star review and I'll send you a private confession. Love to hear from you. You can email me at tellmeanythingpod at gmail.com or tweet at me at Larissa T or at tellmeanythingpod. If you guys were with us in April, you know that I put on a live one-year anniversary show. And hey, I would love to do another live show. Um so look out for that. I, f I think there might be one coming up in the near, I'm going to say medium future, not near future. Um, but that being said, the reason I'm bringing it up is because if you live in a city that's not L.A. and you want to see, you can tell me anything in your city. Let me know. Um, no guarantees, but I'm hoping to put together some shows outside of L.A. So just let me know. Where do you live? Where are you from? Where would you go? You know, Cotton Eye Joe. Um, also, um, today is middle of September. That means you have until October 5th to get on the confidant newsletter for October. And that is going to be a very special one because that is my birthday month. So that will be a lot of fun. Um, but if you don't know what that is, basically, if you donate $5 to the PayPal, it's paypal.me slash you can tell me anything or more can always go up. Um, I'll include you on the confidant newsletter that goes out to all my super confidants um, every month. And you can go in and out of it as you please. You know, $5 this month. Don't do it for 10 months. Come back with $100. Who knows? Truly any combination. Um, uh, that being said, um, if you are super confident for September, um, don't worry, you didn't miss the you didn't miss the newsletter um, that is going out this week, um, but that's going to be a fun one. So look out for that in your email. And um, I think that's all the announcements for for today. Um, I'm very um, uh, I'm very excited to share this episode with you. Um, this episode definitely gets into some serious, heavy stuff. So trigger warning: we do talk about abusers. Um, but I do think it's a very important conversation that we had and it's very real and I really appreciate how honest my guests got. Um, so I'd love to hear what you guys think after the episode. Um, I won't delay it anymore with my rambling. So here it is. Um, Robbie Bruins, everyone. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. You can tell her. You can tell Hey guys, it's Teresa. You're listening to You Can Tell Me Anything. This is the podcast where comedians confess something they've never told anyone before. You guys know what it is. You're confidants. You've listened before. Um, but I do feel like I always have to say that. And I'm very excited for my guest today. Uh, he hosts Last Show in the World every Wednesday at Ham and Eggs Tavern. It's Robbie Bruins. What's up? Hi. <laughs> You're sitting so calmly and patiently. Like, I'm very, very excited great guest. to be here. Um, this is great. No, you, it's great. I love it. It's uh, We just saw each other this weekend at a pool party. 
Yeah, we're really cool people who hang we out are. at we pool hang parties. Out at pools. And like every weekend, <laughs> we got invited to lots of parties. So we that's, do. We should, everyone should know that. <laughs> well, the way you said that really sounds like it's not true and that I was lying. But, um, <laughs> everything will be true that we say on this. Yes, right? always. That's how, yes, everything is true. Yeah, it is kind of a rooted in confessions, but no, you know, the riffing and jokes are fine. But most you podcasts are like mostly bullshit. This is one of those podcasts where you actually get truth. We do get truth. You know? There's always a lot of truth, but there's, I would say there's also a healthy amount of bullshit and it's totally, oh yeah, that is the thing I've been telling my guests, but I forgot to tell you before we started, but I'll just say it on the air. So the confidants can hear it too. This is a comedy podcast. Um, and I do remind people of that because sometimes we get into heavy territory and that's totally fun. But also you should feel totally, <laughs> don't feel. Uh, you said um, that to me the other day. You said it's just, I need to remind people sometimes this isn't, it's not actually therapy. It's yes. Not, it's not there. It's comedy. It's not therapy. And we need to know the difference, but it's confusing because your podcast is like sponsored by Zoloft. Or something, yeah, I know. Right? So, so like, totally sponsored by Zoloft. So and I am a licensed therapist. Are we um, medicated right now? <laughs> My medication is actually wearing off. It, um, <laughs> it's totally true. I told you this right before I hit record. Cause I, I had like a spaz out moment where I couldn't remember what I was saying. I did just start ADHD medication, um, which to the listeners of the pod has been like an ongoing journey. Cause for the last like year I've been like going to different doctors and finally got the diagnosis. And then it like took forever to then get a prescription to something. So I'm trying it now. I'm like week two. It's great, but I don't take it at night. And so when I schedule stuff at night, it starts to wear off, which is fine. Cause that's how I was before I took it. So I can live. I'll live. Right. <laughs> but yes, again, I'm not a therapist. That was a joke. Um, I'm not a therapist. I've gotten that comment before and I love it. It is a compliment and I do appreciate it. So please keep that coming in the iTunes um, reviews. Some people have been like, it's like going to therapy. I love it. But it's not again, a substitute. do go to therapy if you need it and yeah. want it and which you, you should go. It's a supplement. I, it's great. Yeah. I, I go to therapy and it's great. Yes. But I also listen to podcasts. Yeah. Both are great. They go to <laughs> together, you know. Totally. Um, but yeah, this is kind of a way to lighten. Uh, light and heavy loads and I have comedians on so I'm always like please feel free to be funny you don't have to um, take everything seriously you can but again sometimes people get like oh no I don't want to say the wrong thing and again we know you're a comedian so you can say whatever you want I will <laughs> say the wrong thing and please do we're here to cancel everyone um, that is the goal no <laughs> not at all cancel um, culture is canceled that's cancel what I culture heard today. is canceled I hate cancel culture um <laughs> Because whatever, I think it's, gosh, I'm literally talking myself into an ADHD hole right now. So I'm just going to move on. Um, the first thing I do is ask my guests for a good confession because not all confessions are bad. So it's just sort of a positive note to start on. Is there anything good you'd like to confess, Robbie? Well, we already confessed that we were, I was invited to a pool party this weekend yes. and that was a good thing. But I guess I can confess that my show that she mentioned earlier, the last show in the world, we had one of our best shows ever last Wednesday, uh, co-hosted by Georgia Brooks who invited us to that pool party. Yes, and who's she's been on this pod? Great. She's been a Great guest. guest. She's you all you all love her. I mean, <laughs> she'll invite you to her pool. But we, yeah, we had yep. a like DM her. Out, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Packed house on Wednesday and just, you know, Cameron Esposito was our headliner and she was oh, incredible. So I'd never seen her live before, so it was really exciting. Um and she like tortured these Australian <laughs> kids who were talking during the set in front of everybody and it was really funny. Like just really roasted them and i really enjoyed that i love watch i mean i've like <laughs> watched done her show when she had it at ucb and i've seen her like in her element but i've um but yeah she hasn't been doing she's now doing shows again in la and i just saw her on she did my bar show 
like uh which is very much a bar show like yeah even like more barry than yours in the sense that like people don't usually come so we were like very nervous <laughs> when i say that that's what i mean because i don't want to i know yours is a bar show but yours is like a cool bar show and when i say mine Thank is a you, bar Teresa. show i mean like who knows if it's going to happen tonight um <laughs> but it, that means that you should come honeycomb every monday at 10 p.m at public house but no but it was a great one and i was nervous because cameron asked to do it and i was like of course but then i was like it's a bar show. I hope it's okay. She's like, it's fine. And then it was a great night for whatever reason. It was like, um, for the reason that we promoted it and we did a good yeah. job, but also, and you she, know, you know, a people lot of come out for her too. Like, yeah. Incredible. And it was packed and it was super fun and I had a great time. And so. she's getting into the dark stuff about her, yeah, her break is, and yeah. all that, her divorce. Anyway, well, yeah, it's hard back to my work. humble rag is I, I I run a good bar show. You do Teresa a says, great bar show. I get good comedians. And on you it. always donate to charity. That's an element of it that I really like. And um, that's Georgia's thing that that I support, <laughs> but I don't. She's really. But you're like a lead actually, I prefer that in my pocket. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a that's a t- double good confession there. Yeah. Great show, great cause. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we talked about, uh, Cameron that reminds me like this podcast is sort of loosely inspired by therapy, but also like the idea of like working stuff out through, you know, comedy mm. and, you know, obviously she's been talking about stuff that she's going through on stage. Um, when you are, um, going through stuff in your life, like rough stuff, do you lean on comedy or what sort of your like coping mechanisms that you do? Yeah, to get through it? I've started to do that for sure. I think when I used to, you know, when I started doing comedy, I think I was afraid to talk about much that's actually mm-hmm. personal to me. Do um, you have a waiting period? I mean, obviously we all no, do material I, well, about dark stuff, but do you sort of like sit and then you're like, now it's safe or are you like, some people jump right in. I went from a forever waiting period in that I never would talk <laughs> about anything that was real in my life. My comedy was very just absurdist, like okay. silly, like, and like weird conceptual stuff, just like mm-hmm. total like whatever for for like you know years like i mostly did that um if i was ever touching anything personal was very hidden and masked under silliness and something else right Uh so i had a waiting period of forever and then it went from that to like about a year ago when i went through some you know which we'll get into a little bit later but like i went through some really bad stuff and like my life changed very rapidly and then suddenly i was just immediately immediately going up on stage and talking about stuff immediately Mm -hmm. as it was happening uh, in a way that was uh, unhealthy in the opposite way. Rather than gotcha. waiting period of forever, it was n- not nearly <laughs> too much. No z- process zero time. waiting period. Going up on stage, you know, you know, clearly in a meltdown yeah. mode. <laughs> like, so uh, trying to find a healthy balance between those two now. Well, it's hard because <laughs> I think we have this platform as comedians, and um, we feel very comfortable on stage sometimes. So it's there are things that are like it. It almost feels like cutting sometimes. To be like, okay, I'm gonna go on stage and just like put my shit out there and like by default of being real and honest it'll be engaging to the audience but that's sometimes like putting a lot on the on the audience um and then yeah I've like gotten to I've done that before too like after my brother passed away I was like on stage just like talking right away because I had like nowhere else to go I felt like I had to um just get it out there and like it was funny stuff but it was like also I hadn't dealt with it so I feel like the audience was like laughing but also not sure if they should laugh because it was had just happened and so now and with time I've been able to look back and be like oh yeah that wasn't fair to my audience either because I was sort of like asking them to laugh but also like needing them to laugh like in a way where I was like if you don't laugh I'm gonna be sad yeah and I'm like that's not healthy I need to get to a point where I'm like I know I know how I feel about this and now it's just jokes and like you have to be so confident and comfortable on stage 
that the audience can come with you on that journey instead of being like, right. where are we going? You yeah. know, it's, it's yeah. the therapeutic cathartic thing has to be balanced with. It has to feel a, like it's raw, but I think, it, craft, yeah. you know, like you're making something of it. And I don't know. It's really, I think it's tr- like really amazing when, when do it, people do it really well. And like, that's, you know, can't, we were just talking about Cameron. She's oh, doing yeah. something really awesome with it right now that I was very like inspired by, but there's other people like much newer, like comics, like uh, Dana Donnelly has some mm. like really couple really dark jokes about really dark stuff in her life. Mm-hmm. They're really like short and silly, but also mm-hmm. really dark and, you know, mixed all that. T- and I'm so impressed by that. Uh-huh. I'm just like blown away when people can, can figure that out. And I try to do that to an extent, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely a touch and go sometimes. Yeah. It's tricky. I think it is at the end of the day, it still has to be funny. And that's where, um, if you're still dealing with it and you're laughing to cope, it, it's not, you're not actually laughing at it. Cause you think it's funny. You're laughing at it to escape. It's hard. I don't know. I'm like just started doing a joke that I had. I have like rewritten it and um, I think revised it in a way where I think it's a little funnier now, but um, that I had done when I, after my brother passed away and I just started doing it again on stage and I've like learned a lot more and it now feels like there's been enough time where I'm like, oh yeah, it's different. Now I can tell it like a story, but it's crazy because at the time I thought I was doing that. I thought it was like so mature and doing it in a way where I was like, yes, I can talk about it. And now with time i'm like oh no i was definitely not able to do that then yeah so sometimes you don't know until later and that's okay too i think that's yeah. what's so beautiful about comedy is like we're all figuring it out as we go yeah um so that's good but i okay so i know we're gonna get into your confession and um before we do that i kind of sometimes we play a game at the end but i kind of want to do it at the beginning this time just to sort of start with a fun game and then we can get into it because i feel like we're gonna go long and i don't want to cut you off so this is sort of an unrelated game um, to your confession, but it is because it's back to school in September. Everybody's going back to school. Um, back to school time reminds me of teen magazines because I used to love reading them. And it reminds me of crushes because I think, you know, going back to school, you're always like, okay, who am I going to crush on this year? Wait, yeah, let me look and at my crushes right <laughs> now. You have a list. My stories um, and instas. I don't have a list. <laughs> and that's why I think I'm aspirationally writing about crushes because I think... I always had a crush growing up. Always. Like You don't have one right now? I don't have a crush now. No, I'm in I mean, I guess you can get them as adults, but I just I'm not in a thought fo- <laughs> I'm not in I was gonna say I'm an adult, but I'm like, I for sure had crushes as an adult. But I don't live I'm not in an environment now where I like it fosters crushes. Like I don't Because you're busy. Yeah, I'm busy you and I'm not like going to school. I'm not like meeting new people where I can be excited about them. i Yeah, you meet comedians and who's gonna yeah, be excited about that? I mean, that? I have dated many comedians, so it's and not that I can't. <laughs> yes, I think I've been am aver- uh I have an aversion to an dating comedians. Um Teresa, I'm a romantic. <laughs> I am a romantic too. But I also I have, have been at the same the job for a while. So it's like I don't have yeah. any new people I'm meeting. Yeah. So hopefully soon. But I did really like feel a lot of nostalgia for this time in my life when I was always, you know, just like planning out what outfit I'm going to wear to homecoming to maximize slow dance and grinding. You know, you just really need to like, it's a lot of, a lot of mental gymnastics to get your crush to talk to you and fall for you. Anyways, I'm going on and on, but basically this game is about crush advice. So a lot of teen magazines and blogs out there will try to get you, give you advice of how to get your crush to like you, right? Because it's the thing kids look up teens look up. I don't want to say kids. That feels weird. Teens look up. (laughs) So basically this game is very simple. I just went through, I combed through some articles and tips, um, that magazines have given to teens about how to get their crush to like them. 
And, you know, basically, if you want to be manipulative, you should read these articles, but otherwise don't. Um, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me. So I'm going to read a tip. You're going to tell me if it's a real tip published by Teen Mag or a fake one I made up. Um, oh, I forgot to say the name of this game. This game is called, is this a real tip on how to get your crush or just a made up trick put here as a bluff? So you're going to guess crush or bluff. You get it. Pretty straightforward. Crush All or right. bluff. Crush or bluff. Here's the first tip. Tip is, buy your crush a hot drink. And then here's a description. Okay, TBH, I've never tried this, but according to a recent study at Yale University, when someone is holding a warm drink, they're more likely to view whomever they are talking to, a.k.a. you, as having a personality they're attracted to. And science is never wrong, so you may as well try it out. Is this a crush or a bluff? Crush. Okay. Wrong. You're correct. Right. It's a, a real advice in Seventeen magazine from so an article called "How to Get Your Crush to Like You." Nice. Did you know this? If you ho hold a hot drink, that you're more likely to like the person that gave it That's to you. That's why you gotta get coffee. So I you guess so. I always thought coffee. I'm telling people not to go on coffee dates because you're gonna want to shit. It's like you're hyped up. It's during the day. I think Don't it's not sexy. Don't activate your IBS on a date. Keep your IBS <laughs> to yourself. Don't bring up your IBS on your first date. It feels unsexy, but you know, I'm wrong. Look, I've been wrong before and I'll admit, I'll admit I'm wrong. It's, Seventeen Magazine well, says, here's Yale. the way around it. Mm -hmm. You don't go for coffee. You go out to have a drink. Oh, and, and then you get, you get a hot, hot toddy. toddy. Yeah, hot toddy. There's there nothing, you go. There's nothing sexier than See, a hot toddy. See, this is like very biased night. to the East Coast because like we just, just imagining like with the heat wave right now of like having a hot drink, I feel like people would be like, you're psychotic. Um, but yes, perfect date idea if you live somewhere cold. Yeah, but I also heard that in the desert heat. What about soup? You actually do want something hot because cold things actually make you sweat more. Are they like... Have yeah, you heard that? Sweat it out. Get where hot. you get like a like a I heard that in the desert <laughs> where they have a camel. They have a camel and then they have a skin and the skin has warm huh. liquid in it because it's even though it's not refreshing, you don't think it's refreshing, it's actually like better for your heat like your Oh, I get it. It cools you down. Yeah, cuz you're have hot something inside. That's not cold. I can yeah, the science behind that that I'm not sure if it's correct, but what I would think is you are hot inside so outside feels cooler. Something like that. Yeah. I trust the, the guys that are going through the desert on camels yeah. to know what's going on. Okay, here's the second tip. Make them jealous. Was this a crush or a bluff? Was this a real tip to, to tell your crush to get your crush to like you? The tip oh, wait, here's more. Okay, the tip sorry. is just make I them remember. jealous. Wow, you know what? Gosh, it's <laughs> hot in here. Okay, make them jealous. Nothing brings out hidden feelings more than making someone jealous. A lot of people may not realize they have feelings for you until they feel jealous. It's often the first emotion that's present before they realize you're special to them. Makes me really sad to think that this is crush, but I have to say it's crush. You're correct. This is crush. This Oof. is from Love Panky. How to get your crush to like you. Flirting tips. It's terrible. You're doing great. I mean, you've really got the pulse on teen love. Okay, so here's number three. Tell your teacher. Teachers see everything, and if they can get your teacher, if you can get your teacher on your side, trust me, the game just got rigged. From getting paired with them in group projects to getting the other teachers on staff rooting for you, never underestimate the power of bored adults who want their students to be happy. Is this a crush or a bluff? This is so that's so creepy. Uh <laughs> bluff you're right it's okay. a bluff but really a good tip honestly i have friends that are teachers and look teachers be bored your teacher can orchestrate you and your crush 
so the bluff ones For are sure. those ones that you've written I've written that them, you yes. ha- you you could submit these to these I magazines. could yeah no I just wrote them for this <laughs> game but I could because they could they're totally good. great idea um <laughs> number four try to be cool and popular have lots of friends guys like when girls have friends that way they know you are approachable and friendly crush your bluff bluff this is crush. Wiki house advice. Can you imagine being a teen girl pining for your love and you're like, how can I get my crush to like it? And it just says, just try to be cool and popular. Have lots of friends. I mean, that does sound like wiki how level advice. Yeah. So that's <laughs> like, you heard it here first. Just have lots of friends. Easy. Yeah. All right. There's two more. Let's see how you do. You're doing really great. I like the idea that you should get, you need to have friends that you so weren't that you doing can attract it someone yeah. rather than because you actually want to have friends. friends. Like I don't <laughs> want to have friends, but, but I, I will get some because I want to like someone me. <laughs> to like, I want my love. Oh my gosh. Number five. Okay. Here's. I also five. imagine like dropping your, all your friends after you get your crush. Yeah. You're like, like I got him. Yeah. Sorry. Bye bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't real friends. I was just friends because I wanted my crush to like me. All right, sneak into his routine, a.k.a. stalk him. Here's a quote. Every day my girlfriend would stop by by my lunch table to talk, said Michael, age 19. I got used to seeing her regularly and started looking forward to her dropping by. One day it hit me that I want to spend even more time with her. Is this a real tip? Crush or bluff? Crush. What gave it away? The Michael, age 19? It's just, I just, (laughs) sometimes when it sounds so creepy... I'm like, I hope Teresa didn't write this. I hope this is real. It is a crush tip from Seventeen (laughs) Magazine. Are you kidding me? Come on. Do not do this. Girls, it's crazy. But it probably would work, which is why you shouldn't do it. Because you're going to, this is really like growing some crazy girls who are going to grow up and have bad behavior. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm reading a book about abusive relationships right now. And it's good that like (laughs) Seventeen Magazine kind of sets us all, teases all Seventeen is really teasing it. All right. You're doing so great. Um, So this is your final question for the win. You're going to win no matter what. But let's just make this one worth 100 points. Ask them how they would ask their crush out. Ask your crush what they would do if they had a crush on someone and get advice from them. This will disarm them and make them feel comfortable around you. Then just take their advice and use it on them by asking them out. Bluff? You're right. <laughs> it's bluff. But this is good advice it's, too. I w- think if you... It's funny. I think the ones that you wrote are like the better advice ones. And that's how <laughs> I it was a bluff. It's like, this is actually so, uh, close to sensible Teresa, to get them, Teresa knows actually the things you mm, may, maybe would work or like are like not in totally insane. It like, also could be manipulative. Um, these are ones that I didn't use, but I just want to share bad crush advice that I, this isn't real, but spill hot water on them. Cause you know, then they have to talk to you or take off their clothes, bump into their car in the parking lot. Cause then, you know, you have to exchange insurance information, um, get trapped under falling rubble while they're walking by. Cause you know, then they have to save your life. Or they're the last thing you see before you die, which is also very sweet and romantic. Um, forget their name every time you see them. So they have to keep reminding you. And then soon they're either going to hate you or like really want to win your love or turn them into the FBI because then you will be involved in a complicated lawsuit um, involving them and you'll have to see them in court. So yeah, those, some of those sounded violent, abusive, <laughs> and then others were just what? closer just negging kind of yeah yeah it's also true. like kind of reminded me of like pickup artist shit too you i know? know most of this stuff is do you know i, I was reading about pickup artists a while back and apparently one of the pickup artist tri- tricks in addition to negging is literally picking someone up when you meet them 
Why? Because like then they'll feel them up off the ground. Oh, I've heard that because then they feel vulnerable. And that's really mean. Don't do that. I know. It's weird. You should always get but consent before you they, touch someone. Yeah. Yes. You de- <laughs> definitely don't but do that. I will say, I also think pickup artists, um, pickup artist culture is totally different in teen circles. I think teens are better about consent now, but there is like a little bit of teen flirting that I think is acceptable within the teenage years between 13 and 17. That is not acceptable, acceptable as an adult. I do think a little bit of negging in your teen years does work because, um, boys are like scared to talk to girls. And I think girls do pick up on boys making fun of them as they like me. I think as an adult, if they're making fun of you, that's, don't do that. That's well, not yeah. very adult-like. I mean, everything is like <laughs> possible to do right and wrong to an extent. Like No, but I do think negging or pickup artists use tactics, use like immature tactics that teen boys use. Well, I just don't like, they just don't call it like, first of all, negging. Yeah, no, that's awful. But teasing someone a little <laughs> bit can be fun and flirty and like, but not like in a, like a shitty way. Just like, yeah. like a mix of like joking and like, some of it's like kind of positive and some of it hasn't like edge of, you know, like you're teasing someone into like poking fun at them way, but not like to like drag them down or pull them down, but just to be like, we're having fun, I guess. I don't know. I suppose. I guess so. I do think flirting's fun, but I do think as an adult, you should just be like able to ask someone out if you like them and then get rejected if they don't like you back or go on the date if they do. I think kids don't have those resources necessarily. Right, right, so I right. think they do have to resort to like stealing the boy's hat and putting it on. And that's very annoying you behavior. You mean like Helga shit? Yes. Hey, and I Arnold, think that Hel- is Helga, annoying. Helga, right? Yeah, Helga. Yeah. I'd never watched it, but I imagine, yeah, she yeah. was like that. I think it's stuff that as an adult, if you did, it'd be grossly infuriating. But as a kid, I do think it totally works on the school bus to yeah. like you know, whatever, like throw something. plenty of behavior that is okay as a child or teenager that becomes quite (laughs) obnoxious if you continue doing it as an adult. Yes, I think so. (laughs) Because I don't want to like totally, look, we've gotten to a point where I'm like, yes, totally be careful about consent, do all that. But I do think like teens, as long as they're taught about, you know, the boundaries, could have some fun teasing each other, chasing each other. There's a little bit of fun. Like, look, if if a high school football boy picks up the cheerleader, I like that's a gray area, right? Like if she's screaming, put me down, put her down. But like, I do think as a teenager, it's fine. A little bit. You're trying to like, look, they're all trying to like touch each other because there's all these hormones. It's like reading signals and stuff too. I think you have to learn that as a teen. I do think as an adult, that is insane to do that, to like pick someone up when you meet them. (laughs) I think as a teen, kind of cute. I think you're okay. I think you can do that. Right. Just like don't grab her ass. You can pick her up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Am I wrong? Please Teresa, tell me if I'm wrong. Teresa Am I like Lee out of says, touch? <laughs> if you're a teen, pick up another teen. Am I out of touch? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's like as a teen, you don't know what to do. Like you're just no, hormones I mean, raging. It, like slow dancing is scary. Like, yeah, like, I don't know. As much as like I very much endorse the idea that consent is like an ironclad law and like consent is yeah. so important and consent culture is important and all that stuff. I do think there is something to be said for the fact that like, you know, romance and like dating and, you know, you know, falling in love, all those kinds of things are confusing and there are gray areas Mm -hmm. and like there are things that can be confusing in that. So like, it's not like, obviously there's like, whether you're talking about teens or adults, you know? And so like, it's like being able to be like, there is a line, (laughs) but also like 
you know, sometimes you just have to like read signals a little bit and not be an asshole. Like it's hard to like always figure, like describe it perfectly. But like, I think what you're getting at is that like, especially in certain contexts, like when you're just getting through in puberty and you're just figuring it all out, there are like, context is very important. Yeah. What I'm saying is be careful, but also like, I'm even thinking because, you know, I was, um, you can, you can be careful and also have fun. You can, you you can have fun without, you know, you, you can be careful without having to walk on eggshells and like be like every move is whatever, you know, you can do both. Uh, Cause I'm I'm thinking also just even like I was, and now kids are better about talking about stuff like this, but like, I wasn't aware that I was bisexual when I was in high school. So, but like even getting crushes, I barely would ask guys out, but like if I, where to ask someone to dance. You know what I mean? Like now if I was taught, like everything has to be like strictly like full hundred percent, I think I would have, um, not explored crushes as much because I was so scared. So there is something to be said about like exploring chemistry before you ask, like, do you want to go out with me? There's no way I would have asked a girl out and I didn't, but like I'm thinking of teens who aren't sure, like they, it might be easier to go with a physical feeling and then be like, I think she's into me too. Especially if you're not like, um, I don't know. I'd well, I I just prefer in general when there's a little bit more ambiguity when you're like, I don't, I learned that I don't really love dating apps and I mm-hmm. don't have them right now, even though I'm single because I like meeting people in person and for it to be a little bit like, who are you? Like, let's sure. figure you uh, yeah. each other out in person with this sort of like question mm-hmm. of before we get to this, we're deliberately like matched and like now we're going to like chat and now we're like, and then it's so like kind of regimented. Like I kind of yeah. like there's the, the ambiguity there, even though I am an adult, maybe this is me being arrested, <laughs> like uh, having arrested development and not growing up enough. But I like that. I don't like it. Uh, I don't always like when it's too like cut and dry and like now yeah. we're dating. And like, this oh, is yeah. da- and like, obviously at some point you have those conversations and it's like, okay, now we're, boyfriend girl you know all these different things are like now we're going on a date you like, like to build um the connection well what we're right. talking about i think is connection because you don't it's harder to force that online but you can find that with someone on in real life and then be like is this romantic yeah. and then figure it like out you want to go go to a movie or something yeah. you know like l- later after you've met and then i don't the like the ambiguity of not knowing though because i feel like as soon as i know i'm interested then i'll try to drop clues so that it's very clear right and then they're not interested then i like to move on i don't really like to live in ambiguity very very long yeah because then i'm like compartmentalizing someone as a friend and then it turns out they're not and i'm like oh, what now i have to rethink everything yeah but i do drop i'll, I'll get i'll like drop hands if i like someone in my friend circle or if I, like that i've met or something through comedy you know, there's little ways you can drop hints without being full on. Like, do you want to go out with me? You can be like, you can ask their friend like where they are. That's like a c- good one. Like if you're, sh- if you show up at a party and you're like, Hey, where's like so-and-so that's like usually a way for them to be like, Teresa asked about you. Like little things like that. I wouldn't randomly do that unless it's a close, like if I might do that for my roommate, be like, where's Christine or something. Right. But so there's little things you could do. And if you're just joining us, this is, is this a date with <laughs> Tracy Lee and Robbie Bruins? It's a podcast is about dating and date? romance and love. No, you're right. We've really gone <laughs> off track, but I do love talking about dating. Um, so sure, you can. Anytime, I, let's I, do it. I don't give great advice. So, but if you guys want, you know, if you liked my crush tips, you can ask me for your well, <laughs> for advice. Advice isn't universal. Like, like we just discovered that we have slightly mm-hmm. different viewpoints on that. This you is know? true. And that's cool. Um, well, Robbie, does, uh, talking about discovering things i'd like to know is there anything you'd like to tell me uh a confession maybe maybe yeah that's if you're feeling it Uh uh-huh 
Um, cool. So we're recording now. <laughs> starts. Oh shit. Okay. Cool. Oh no. Uh, yeah, I would like to tell you something. Okay. Should I just do it? We could also, you know, take a lap if you <laughs> if that helps. Um, do I do, uh, should do some so squats? I've been trying to get my squats in. Okay, so I've never really talked about this except, you know, with with friends one on one and okay. with my therapist a little bit. So still figuring out, but here's what I want to talk to you about. Here's what okay. I want to confess. Uh, I uh, once lied in a pretty serious way to a famous television producer in order to keep working with him. But okay. Who, I guess who hasn't done that, but <laughs> mine was crazy. I've, some people haven't done it, <laughs> but that, this does beg more questions, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's start from what kind of lie or do you want to go into the detail? Like, where do you want to start? It Maybe was kind of a uh, impromptu. Like it wasn't, I mean, it was more that, um, yeah. Where do I start exactly? Should I start with the, the, let's start from what? Okay. So the, I, I'm not going to name, name this guy because I just feel like it's, it's too much to like, to, 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 you know, okay. Like to, yeah, that's fine. To use we'll just name. say tell the television producer. There are many, right. Um, he, he, you know, he's involved in some major television shows and you know, okay. well known. Someone you looked legendary. up to and yeah. you were excited to work with. I was very excited to work. And with right away guy. when you were given this opportunity, um, can I ask what kind of co- context this working it was a, situation just a, was? It was basically just like a short web episode okay. of something. And it wasn't, you know, it was very like informal, you know, mm-hmm. not a, not even a paid project like literally okay. just we're throwing it together on the weekend and you were acting in it a really exciting uh am i in it uh oh no you, what was I your role vo- in it i did something in it but i i was mainly i co-wrote gotcha. it and co-produced it okay um, so you were working you were excited to work with this producer right. and right away was uh can you say what the lie was well i guess i should back up and describe okay. kind of why i got into this circumstance because it wasn't like it wasn't like i lied to get it make it to make this happen like it gotcha. was already going to like that working with this guy was going to happen okay uh it was something that kind of came together and it wasn't really it wasn't anything that i did even mm-hmm. it was uh, but uh so it was going to happen but then uh a really fucked up thing really dark fucked up thing happened a few days before Mm -hmm. we were doing work with this guy. So it was basically, I lied to cover up this dark fucked up thing so that Uh it wouldn't like freak anyone out or like, or like I didn't, you know, I just basically went with it rather than like, basically I, Uh I pretended everything was okay. Yeah. I hid, you know, I hid, I hid the darkness Okay. So that everything would to be okay. To normalize it, to continue right. working on the project. Yeah. So before you okay, could, so there's a lot of different layers and, and parts to this. And uh-huh. uh, I will admit to being a little concerned and anxious that I'm going to start to come off like a crazy, you know, conspiracy theorist talking about Jeffrey Epstein, you know, <laughs> pedophile ring craziness, abuse craziness you know because that you know we're living in this me too movement the crazy fucked up thing was upset no we're we're talking about cancel culture we're talking about you know the president of the united states is an Mm -hmm. abuser and and the biggest producers in hollywood are abusers and uh we live Mm -hmm. in an abusive rape culture and all this stuff right and it can get real crazy real fast and i obsessively read you know when one of these big me too stories comes out i read about it and i do get a little so i actually am kind of a crazy 
Jeffrey Epstein conspiracy theorist. Like, I don't actually know if he I don't think it's crazy. Yeah, I, but I, I feel like think he did not kill himself for sure. It's <laughs> it's it's a weird time, and I and I am a little like insecure about coming off that way. I was really surprised to end up in a situation where I felt like, oh my god, I'm part of all this. You know, like this you know in a very low level small okay. way i've experienced this sort of like weird like darkness and the darkness of like you know getting into these things right so i i was i was dating a, a stand-up comedian uh for two and a half years mm-hmm. and uh about two years of that was emotionally and physically abusive i'm so um, sorry and primarily this person was you know uh, it's a idealization to demonization thing. So it was like half mm-hmm. the time I'm the best person in the world. I, she loves me so much. Mm-hmm. I'm this amazing, you know, person and I'm, Oh, and one of the things that she'd always be like, Oh, you're a great writer. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's why we wrote things together. Right. And she'd, you know, but, but then on the other hand, she would then tear me down and insult me and, and, you know, just like make me feel terrible about myself and like even use things that I think are positive aspects of me to make sure. me feel bad. Like, yeah. like, like, the fact that I'm like good looking, like uh-huh. t- turned into like this negative trait that I could never understand uh-huh. all these things that are like that I hadn't, you know, been, I hadn't been through enough traumatic experiences was like a negative thing. That's like a, a pretty standard, um, abuser tactic. I right. think of like, which using, I'm finding out now, yeah. but I didn't know at the time. Again. I've had right? someone do that. Yeah. So, so it was like, I hadn't experienced enough trauma, so I wasn't an interesting person. I was boring because I hadn't experienced trauma. And so now oh, no. I am interesting. Oh gosh. Thanks to this relationship. That's and that's literally the like weird logic of this oh, this world where it's like that I lived in. I lived in a, a crazy reality where everything uh-huh. was like topsy turvy. Um, okay. So you so you were discovering so you're discovering that you're in this world and right. and I and just to get a little clarification, I think I have an idea what you're talking about, but so when you talk about darkness, so you were saying that you this person abused you is the dark fuck right. thing. So that she happened, would right? she would insult me, tear me down and then she would hit me and you know hold a knife to my throat and do all these, these things. Uh Um, and you know, threaten me, threaten my family. Uh, and I'll be perfectly honest. There were, you know, after going through it for a while, I did things that I'm not proud of. I've hit, I Mm. hit back sometimes. I did Mm. really fucked up things myself. Okay. Uh, you know, in reaction sometimes to things Mm -hmm. that happen. And then I started going to therapy so that I would stop doing that. Okay. She she was supposed to go to, and eventually she did get into the right therapy room or whatever. So we were like working on it and we're going to heal because we love each other so much. And we also like are these comedians who are very creatively linked because we both get each other. And like, you Mm. know, I met her in open mic and saw her do comedy that I thought was so funny and transgressive and dark. And, you know, first joke I ever said or tell was like a molestation molesting uh-huh. a kid joke so it's like maybe a red flag right there but like <laughs> I thought it was so funny and great on this dark person right and you were tied so, to each other was it like so isolation was, happening oh absolutely okay. yeah and she would she, you know very like uh, isolating yeah you know so suspicious you like you of all my relationships yeah any any relationship about females in particular was mm-hmm. under great suspicion but then even like male friend there was this there's this good friend of mine who she would always be like he has a crush on you, but he was like, he's not even, he's like more or less straight, like dates uh-huh. women. Like you're just trying to like drive a wedge, you uh-huh. know? Anyway, I don't want to go off into, obviously if you, if you're familiar with abusive relationships, probably a lot of this will sound familiar, but yeah, it's a lot of conventional, like isolate whatever tactics and like 
also, yeah, my whole world was this person to an extent, right? And it included creatively, we would make, mm-hmm. you know, films together, you know, these short films and web series kind of content uh, that was, you know, I would help co-write and co-produce and, or, you know, she would start it or I would start it, you know, whatever. We would collaborate together, right? And so that's how we ended up in this situation that I, I'm confessing to right now, okay. right? So, um, so she had a, a thing where she had written or had an idea to make this thing and, you know, the basic story and stuff. And then we wrote mm-hmm. the episode together uh, and we knew that this guy was going to do this role in it. Um, this producer, um, and, um, a few days before we were supposed to shoot it, um, we went and saw the movie Phantom Thread, uh, which is a movie with Daniel Day Lewis about, Mm -hmm. um, toxic codependent relationships Mm -hmm. where the, him and this woman that he meets, they end up in this relationship and they end up like fucking with each other and hurting each other and doing all these terrible things. Right. And we watched that movie and I saw a lot of familiar things in it. And then we left the movie and we went out to a bar and she had been like getting angry and angry at me for all kinds of things secretly that I, you know, had done Mm -hmm. that were, but we were with people at the time. Right. So it would be like secretly like whispering mean things to me and like secret, well, let's not, no one else can know this is going on, but I'm pissed at you. Right. And then what were like the things just like random things? It was like she was blaming me because uh, her mom was in town and I had suggested earlier that day that uh, uh, she go with her mom shopping because they had talked about doing that. I was like, you guys should do that now and I'll go Uh with your mom's boyfriend and we'll go to the Librea Tar Pits because that's what he wants to do. And Uh we'll split up and do that. And like because she got in a fight with her mom after that, it's I ruined her day and oh, you know gotcha. this is like 12 okay. hours or you know eight hours later but it's still like a festering gotcha thing right and uh so so anyway to make shorten this a little bit the aziz news had just come out that night uh i was laughing at this tweet that someone made about it that was <gasps> making fun of aziz but she was mad at me for not taking it serious enough because she's reading it and it's like i know what this is like and you know it's true yeah. it's fucked up stuff if you read that story it is fucked up to read uh, but it just was this whole cocktail mm-hmm. of like weird, dark kind of things that night. And when the people yeah. we were with left we and we left the bar and we drove home together, we were in the car alone and she just started screaming at me and screaming at me and screaming at me. Right. And then that night got real dark and she, you know, attacked me with the scissors and, oh, you know, ended up having, you know, waving a knife around. And I had lost my mind by point because she had cut off a huge chunk of my hair and I was oh like my gosh give me that knife and then I said just kill me already and oh like I, I really lost it and then I um I tried to get the knife out of her hand and I in the process of doing that my hand slipped and I grabbed the blade and I was bleeding and <gasps> washed my hand in the sink and I'm like oh what are we gonna do and we end up you know she drives me to the ER I got stitches she's sitting there supporting me through it all and I my first lie uh, before I got to the famous television producer was to the doctors there because uh-huh. if I told the truth, she could have been in legal trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, or we, maybe both could. I don't I don't even know. I don't even know. I was just scared and, yeah. and I was so mad at her, but also Well, it's scary because scared. you're also afraid to lose the person that's hurting you because they, that's part of the yeah, cycle we, of abuse. Yeah, we lived yeah. together at the time, so it's yeah. like we were yoked to, 
together in that sense. And, um, yeah, um, there's a lot to it, but I'm going to try to keep this moving and not get too dragged on in the details. I will say that, um, when I, you know, in the hospital, you know, mm-hmm. having this person hold my hand while my mm-hmm. other hand is stitched felt very familiar, familiar because it like, there were moments like that in this movie we had just seen okay. and it's like so this is about how movies tv and reality sometimes you know you're down here in la trying to do all that yeah. and it's like oh it all kind of gets mixed together and you know um fairy tales are real or not i don't know and yeah. the movie version of the toxic relationship that i saw that night was actually kind of a cuter version of <laughs> what my real life had become and you know uh and so then you know the well, next did it day feel I different had, to you this day because you describe like this kind of stuff has happened before did this moment feel any different than the others like was it was it, it was probably the darkest night like it was the we i never ended up in the er before uh-huh. because of this stuff like she had hit me a lot and yeah you know physical violence was unfortunately had become a part of her relationship although it had been much like we'd been so much better for a while that i you know like uh-huh. she was not she was had seemed to have things a lot more under control that I thought, oh, we're getting better and it's going to be fine and we're going to like mm-hmm. have this life. But like it was this sort of flare up thing that happened that was really dark and scary. Right. How did you feel in that moment about her, though? Like even though it was the most serious thing, were you still like we're going to get through it and we need to be together? Or were you starting to be like this? Like did, so did the rug come out or you I were was just so further and further in it? I was so mad at her and I wanted to like never talk to her or see her again. But then because she was there holding my hand mm. and I went home with her and then suddenly we're back to normal almost, but not because yeah. it's like, uh, how are we going to make up for this? Or what am I going to do? Or There's like cognitive still very dissonance much a, a little bit. But, because, and I was yeah. still very much in a we thing. Like now I'm much better at like saying I and like whatever, yeah, but important. I was stuck in a we mindset too, to an extent. Right. And part of it too is, you know, the next day being like, okay, I have this bandage on my hand and I got to deal with the ramifications of that. But we also have uh, like a shoot happening in a few days in our apartment uh-huh. with someone that I, you know, really, you really wanted to admire work with. and yeah. he's going to say lines that I wrote and that mm. even though it's our thing and it's really her thing because it's, mm-hmm. she stars in it and it's kind of her, her con- concept. I was still excited for my involvement in it because I get excited about these yeah, things, sure. right? And so, and then also, you know, even though before, I don't know how much this was separate from when she was like, we're still going to do it, right? Like, she also was like, we can't yeah, blow okay. this. We can't throw this away. Do you think there was a sense of her holding it over you because she knew how bad you wanted it? Because I think that's the thing no, that no, abusive it, relationships no, I think it's, do too. She believed that she it was her it big too. shot okay. to an extent or one of these shots that she's going to get and that how could I think that I could take this away from her? I think was what I remember it kind of okay. coming off as. Because that's the thing that I've heard too and I've seen with but abusers. Sometimes they'll they see something you really want and they know like, okay, you want out of this too. But like, as long as I have this thing that you want, you're, and I give it to you at the right moment, you're going to stick around for that. Well, she had gotten in my, you know, and how much is, is my fault versus her fault that she had gotten into my head so much that I already internalized so much of what she wanted as my mm. own needs and wants, you know, as being like, 
you know, we're going to want, we're going to get this or that we are, you know, it's we, uh-huh. and it's like, I see. Yeah. how could I blow this for us? Like almost. the whole team building. Yeah. Right. And just that I really believed in us or in her mm-hmm. as the lead role in our us, you know, yes. as the, I see. As so you the can't star think as an individual whatever. because yeah. you're thinking against your, you as a team every time you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I was nothing without her to an yeah. extent. Right. And so, yeah, it was anyway, I, got over myself and decided not to make such a big deal out of this. Had you guys talked wound. about it at all really? Or Yeah. I mean, I don't remember exactly. It was, a, it's still a, a bit of a blurry time. I know that we went out to dinner with her mom cause she was still in town and I had this bandage on my hand. Oh so my I lied gosh. to her, I lied to her mom about it. Um, and her mom's, you know, boyfriend, uh, I was lying about it pretty much right away. But then also I knew that I needed to talk. So I had to go to therapy and talk about it. And I was trying to mm-hmm. talk to talk to my friends about it being like, Hey, I got into this thing. What do I, you know, what's, what's going on? Yeah, what do I do? And rough. people were telling me to like leave and stuff. And anyway, uh, uh-huh. there's a lot here. So, but I want to focus on just the like craziness of, of why you the, normalize it to this producer that you looked at. Yeah. To. And just yeah. also the, like the, like, the, la- the one of the layers that I'm really interested in is this like reality versus fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. And when I had a friend who, when I told him this about what happened, he's like, you think your life is a movie. It's not, mm-hmm. you can't let yourself get into a movie because mo- people die in movies. Like yes. dramatic stuff happens that you don't want having happening in your life because that's bad. Well, and like, you think you're the protagonist of the movie. So it'll work out. But in reality, your movie can end at any moment. Exactly. And you're not always the protagonist. You right. are, but you're not like in the sense that like, it's not like some like Oracle is going to come your way at the bottom of act two and help you solve everything. That doesn't always happen. Right. Yeah. And so I like to usually hold myself at arm's length from the idea of like, I'm one of these delusional people who came to LA to, to be in movies <laughs> or to make movies or whatever. That, so then just made your life a movie. not think about it that <laughs> way, but I very much am that person in a sense. And I think the reason I wanted to talk about this is I feel like people who listen, some people who listen to this will probably very much identify with this idea of like, as delusional as it is or as crazy it is, you love comedy or you love movies or you love entertainment or art or whatever. And you come to Los Angeles uh-huh. in, in sort of search of that. And for me, I even was, you know, I think realistic enough to see it as like, it's a kind of a dark, crazy path. Like, but Mm. I was excited about that. I was like, I'm going to explore this darkness. And I associate LA with this sort of noir sensibility too. And like the movie Nightcrawler. So when Uh I watched right before I moved on, I was like, yeah, dark, LA, gritty and dark. So are you saying that you felt like you leaned into more of this dramatic toxicity because it reminded you of like what you might see in a movie. So you're like, if I have this kind of life, I could then be writing about this on screen. I think it was subconscious. I think it was a subconscious urge to explore something that I was curious about and like what I wanted to do with my life. It was crazy. And it's like, I'm going to accept that it's crazy. You know, well, how did you feel when you've watched Phantom Thread and you saw this, were you like, that's bad? Or were you like, Oh, this is romantic. <laughs> I was a little disturbed by how much I identified with it. I wasn't expecting to, I didn't know really what the movie, like I knew the director and I was excited about that. And I knew the like sort of uh-huh. set and character sort like, but I didn't know is really such a, crystallization of what toxic codependent relationships look like mm. so it was disturbing to be to realize like you recognize on screen that that wasn't good but that you didn't like how it resonated with you because you didn't see yourself as in that bad of a situation i well no i knew i was in a 
bad, <laughs> real, like fucked. It was this weird like compartmentalization sure. thing where you like compartmentalize the fact that your relationship is unhealthy and bad, but it's like, but it's also the hope of it will get better. And mm. we're going to like work through this and like the idea of like, you know, there's mm-hmm. conflict, but the conflict can be resolved and there can be sure. happy endings, Until you see representation and you're like, oh, this happens all the time and it's a pattern. And right. Yeah. Right. The crazy thing is when these guys, some of these guys have basically c- admitted to it in different ways in their work. Right? Sure. So they're not even really hiding it. And that is something that is very much the case with what my abuser, like my abuser was basically in front of me on stage talking about making cutesy version jokes of uh-huh. actual abusive fucked up stuff in our relationship okay. right in front of me and right in front of other people. And mm-hmm. we all laughed and we started talking about this, you know, doing this pod and being like, I actually but I was like into it because it's like, yes, but that's cathartic and we can figure out how to like. Because mm, you thought things. she was self aware, so that meant well, that it was going to change. I grew up watching Woody Allen movies. Yes. Okay. My family raised me with Woody Allen as like a, one of our gods, right? Uh-huh. And Woody Allen movies do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where they explore these dark, fucked up things, but it's a comedy and it's like, uh-huh. you know, uh, there's. But he's a, always dating these young women in the movies and you're like, of course he ended up with his daughter. <laughs> right. There's a movie called Manhattan, yeah. uh, which is one of his most acclaimed movies. Mm-hmm. Came out in the late 70s when he was kind of at the peak of his, you know, just one best picture for Ranny Hall, right? So his next movie is Manhattan. And it's this gorgeously photographed black and white movie photographed by the guy uh-huh. who, who photographed The Godfather. You know, it's like yeah. gorgeously photographed. And it stars him and Meryl Streep as his ex-wife. And then 17-year-old Mariel Hemingway yeah. is his girlfriend in the movie. And she is plays 17 in the movie. She's a high school senior. Right. There's a joke about it. It's like, I can't believe I'm dating a girl who, gets, who has homework. And uh-huh. it's like, that's funny, right? And he just has this 17-year-old girl around his, his 40, or, he's 40 or 45 yeah. years old in this. And I feel like he's always been 45. Like it always just looks like an old man in every one of his movies. And so it's this big joke or it's this big, you know, normal thing in this movie. But also he was actually doing that at the time. He was dating 17 year olds. He tried to get Mariel Hemingway to run away with him to France. You know, this, (sighs) this young girl, she's talked about this, you know, and it's abusive and fucked up. Right. And so then, uh, but it's a hugely influential movie. Well, there's a a sense that if they're not hiding it, that it's, that it can't be wrong because like shouldn't they know it's wrong yeah self-awareness is somehow like a sign of maturity but at the same time is it just another shield or another manipulation Uh to be self-aware of how you're fucked up i heard a really good um not really good but an interesting uh, analogy it's like that they were saying like abusers are like magicians because like and I guess this is a dumb movie. I didn't even watch it. The prestige, but in the prestige, like there's a little kid who they described the scene in this, um, thing I read, but it was this little kid, looks at i think christian bale does a trick where he like squashes a mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. cage the, the with bird. a bird in yeah. it and then he takes the cage out and there's the bird is not harmed mm-hmm. and the kid is like mm-hmm. crying and he's like where's uh, like i feel where's bad for bird? the bird and then christian bale's like no the bird is fine he's like no the other one where's his brother yeah and he yeah. knows okay because the trick is they just killed the bird and then they took out another bird yeah. and it's all an illusion but the reason it works as an illusion is because people assume like you wouldn't just kill the bird you didn't kill the bird you can't just kill the bird like but they there do. has to be something else mm-hmm. right but i think that they use this um analogy about abusers because abu- abusers just lie and people think 
well, there must be something else to it. Like there must be a reason they're lying. There must mm-hmm. be something they're covering up. There must be some darker thing they're dealing with. They're actually we assume really things hurt. about humans. We want we don't want to believe yeah. that they're just killing the bird, right? Yeah. So like, we don't want to believe he's just like fucking underage <laughs> like yeah. teens and then just making movies about it and we're all lapping it up because we like it like yeah and then maybe also that. molesting his daughter yeah. or marrying his his but he's just doing that that's what it you is know, like yeah. all these things mm-hmm. that like we find out later but i grew up and i grew up in the 90s after a lot of that stuff came out and my parents basically taught me to believe that it's all fine and you know like because we we're like, if everyone's looking at it and we're all enjoying it, right. why would they just kill a bird on stage in front of all of us? Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, but he's just killing the bird. The question is, are you watching closely? That's what they say in that movie, The Prestige. Are you watching uh-huh. closely? I didn't when watch it. When people but... tell you who they are, believe them, mm. right? <laughs> and so there's mm-hmm. a, another guy named Louis C.K. Oh, and sure. He's a, you know, Heard was of him. a very, and is a yeah. very famous stand up comedian who I used to love and I was a huge fan of. Uh, and then this whole fucked up thing came out about that he, you know, abused people and then covered it up and tried to ruin people's careers over, you know, like if they would ever say anything and all kinds of fucked up stuff. Right. And right before that, or right as that was coming out, he had, he had made a feature film, uh, and you know, it was got a big, big deal. He's making this big movie after he's become this huge movie, Mm -hmm. you know, TV star and, you know, comedy legend or whatever. So he's this movie coming out. It is a, Supposedly beautifully photographed black and white movie <laughs> uh, with a lot in common with the movie Manhattan. This sure. movie, it's pretty much an explicit tribute to the movie Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters in it is a famous movie director known for dating young <laughs> girls. Yeah. Played by John Malkovich. And he might start dating the Louis C.K.'s character's daughter. Yeah. Louis C.K. is a sort of hack television producer and his daughter is just becoming you know, a woman. And she's going off to France or something with this famous mm-hmm. film director who's the most, literally they put the line in the movie, he's the most uh, respected filmmaker of the last 30 years or more. You know, it's like very clearly yeah. a Woody Allen or Polanski type. And this movie is stylistically and con- even content, right? A homage to Manhattan. Yeah. And it's called uh, it's I, like, love I, you, love you, I Love You Daddy, yeah. right? And luckily it didn't get any kind of theatrical release because he got canceled. You know, we don't like cancel culture, but I was happy about that one. Yeah. Cancel culture is different than people getting canceled. I feel like cancel culture is just like in the air of like people are afraid of getting canceled, but then there's like people who need to go away. That's different. I think he was long overdue. Like it was an open secret in comedian So this was just a couple months before this. So, okay. So he makes, yeah. Okay. So he makes this movie. He makes his movie. Uh, It's a, movie about potential abuse is it abusive what yeah. is abuse in tribute to another famous famous abuser by a famous mm-hmm. abuser right and then me and my uh f- former ex- my ex- ex-girlfriend yeah. who was abusive to me uh, my abuser uh decided to you make cast Louis something K, to know. Sp- uh, no, Louis obviously not who we're talking <laughs> Louis not who we're talking about just so everyone knows didn't never worked with Louis okay. never been in a, a room with Louis before um, we were both trying to figure out ways to spoof this stuff and she had this particular idea of like I want to make a spoof version of I love you daddy right okay so I ended up making were co- you the co-writing daddy or the oh, no you weren't in it co-writing okay. and co-producing a spoof 
<gasps> with my abuser, starring my abuser, uh, in tri- you know spoofing another famous abuser's film. That's that's a, also in itself a tribute to a, a famous abuser's film, right? So it gets Ooh, pretty Inception. layers, and then the other layer to it is that uh, the 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 daddy in the uh, this short is this famous television producer who I'm not going to name, but. Uh, the abuser in the short that we made is named Dick Manipulator. Okay. And, and then it's gonna is he gonna be crossed out? Is the next he's, he's a he's a famous podcast host is the character right? And he's played uh-huh. by a puppet right? So we had we thought it was a very fun and creative idea where we're gonna get into this darkness and then this famous television producer is in my apartment where I live with this abusive person. So what was the and lie? So the lie. Okay. Uh, was you know. I basically was there. I wasn't in the shots. So mm-hmm. I was there like, you know, working on like lines and being like, did that line work? Should we rewrite it? You know, like mm-hmm. I was there helping out, but I wasn't like, basically like w- when we had a break from a scene, this producer, you know, he's, he's acting in this, even mm-hmm. though he's more well known as television producer, he also does act and do okay. you know, performance a little bit. But so he's starring in this thing. Right. So he's doing great. I'm excited for him to realize that he's doing that. But then like on a break from or like in between a scene or whatever, like he's, what is he doing? And I'm just, what am I doing? Like (sighs) I basically became, oh, take care of him while like entertain him while we're on a break or whatever. Right. So we were talking and he asked me about the massive bandage that was wrapped around my right hand. Okay. Like what happened? So I lied to him and said that I was like, I don't know, chopping vegetables or something. Right. Uh-huh. And the very next thing he said is, how do you masturbate? <gasps> oh, my God. And I said, well, I don't know. It's only been a few days. I haven't yet. Uh-huh. And he goes, I couldn't go a few hours. Oh, my God. So suddenly we're and like laughing and joking. wasn't even in character. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're just talking. And it's suddenly back to joking and uh-huh. laughing. I avoided it telling him a dark, very dark story that in my imagination, at least if I had said what really happened, I feel like he would have ran out the door immediately. Like, yeah. or been like very weirded out. And then the whole thing would have been ruined one way or another, who knows what it would have been. Mm. But I feel like if I had started telling him what was really going on and that the kitchen we were shooting in was where I was bleeding a few mm. nights before into the sink, you know, like that would have been really f- fucked up. Well, so instead I, you know, I lied and he, t- let us sit back into jokes and yeah. into, you know, joking around and talking about comedy and like what kind of comedy we like. And like, literally like we got into like whether gore comedy is <sighs> funny. Like he doesn't like gore comedy, like the black, uh, the, the dark night scene, uh-huh. in the black night scene in, in Monty Python that where the guys get limbs get cut off. Mm. He didn't like that. It's too like too much blood. He didn't <laughs> like that. So we're like turning so this stuff yeah. into, you know, immediately like back into the levity and light stuff, which is, kind of like what we were talking about earlier when we we're like, how quickly can I take this on stage and make it fun? It can be too fast to do that sometimes. Right. Well, see, I, I do think there's a discernment. Okay. So lying in the situation like that, not the thing that you lied about, but lying about, um, accident or, um, an injury to a certain degree on a professional set. I think there it was is some right level where probably, it's okay. Right? 
Um, but more what you're getting at. The whole at, thing was a lie. Yeah, I think more what you're getting at is the the reason that specific lie made you feel uneasy is because it kind of poked a hole in this illusion that you created that like everything's okay. Exactly. Because then you had to address it full on, which is uncomfortable because it's like someone's calling it out. And this is, it's like when you're in a dream world and you're like, I'm, you know, I, everything feels like but it's someone real. Someone just turned the lights on or. Yeah. And then you're like, okay. Or it's like when someone, when you have a dream and everything you think is real, but then your mom becomes your teacher and you're like, that's not right. Something's off. Mm-hmm. Like, so now he's exposing like, oh, this isn't, it's not right. He's bending the spoon or what's the, yes. what's the matrix? Thing? I think like so. You see the, you see the, the phone rings or whatever. And you, you are like jacked out of the matrix yeah. for a second. Cause even if it had been like, and you know, like in domestic abuse is always bad, but it is, this is why people lie. Cause it, it it's weird to go around. Um, ideally, it just doesn't happen. You get out of it. But like if I showed up to work with this bruise and people ask me about it and they joke like, oh, you get hit. Like I wouldn't be like, yes, yes, I did. Yeah. We're not supposed to talk You're about not. it. It's weird. I think that it's like we should be able to. But I also understand why it would be grossly uncomfortable to look but with my random coworkers and I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm in an abusive relationship that I'm not uh, trying. I think because then they want to be like, how are you getting out? And you're like, I'm right. not ready to get out yet. For many reasons, people stay in relationships like that. And if you're not ready to get out yet, it can be a lot to break that seal and let people know you're in one right. because all of a sudden they're going to like not have sympathy for you. And you're going to be posting like lovey pictures when you are having a good There's day. A lot of good days happen. Victim blaming that happens yeah. for sure. There's and, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that, and actually, the, and this is ultimately the reason why I wanted to talk about this on this podcast, even yeah. though like, have we been funny at all? I don't know. I don't know, there but it's okay. This one feels a little darker, here. but I think it's important. But well, what I'm well, saying you, is the reason I thought it was important to bring it yeah. up is that this is the kind of thing where you can talk about it. Sure. And it's important to talk about it yeah. more now because as much as it's hard to have a society where people can feel like they can talk about this stuff openly, I feel like we're in the wrong, we're, we can't talk about it openly as, as much as we should be able to. Maybe it, like there are certain limits on how open people yeah. can be. But we are in a, we're at a point still where I feel like it's still so hidden and so shameful and so hard to talk about yeah. that in there, if there, when there are opportunities to do it, whether it's on, you know, a stand-up mm. show or on a podcast or even a, a context where things aren't supposed to be so funny, you know, <laughs> like it's good to be able to do it because I think it allows people to know that it, this, you know, they're not alone and it's okay mm-hmm. and we can talk about it. But I think that's important. I think what you're saying is true. Like people need to be able to relate to it and, and if maybe they hear something similar, but also if you haven't been in the situation, that's really great. But also to hear what these patterns are. So maybe when you're in the beginning of one, you can spot that. Cause I know that when I, I was in an abusive relationship and I didn't, um, recognize the signs cause I never been in one. And yeah, now when I look too. back and I've been yeah. talking to people and getting answers, I'm like, Oh Wow, we've all, so obvious I'm not special at all. You know, I'm yeah. like, oh gosh, well, if I knew I wasn't special, I wouldn't have stayed in this fucking right. thing. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, I really have something special going here. And that's why I got to r- tough it out. We're romantics. Yeah. And then are I'm like, oh no, earlier? everybody has this fucking shit happen to them. Yeah, no, um, it's not so romantic <laughs> when you find out how boring and pedestrian it how is. How boring getting abused is. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's so tra- tragic, but at the same time, at the same so time, common and boring. It's not and so, oh, I interesting was, at all. I was hit. It's like, um, well, who hasn't been? I know. No, I don't mean that. Serious. It is serious. And I do think um what you I latched onto something you said about you being like you lied to him and then you said if I had said something and what that 
rang a bell that um to me made me think that like in that moment you actually had an urge to say something is that true that you had an urge to be like what if i just fucked it all up and told the truth like you kind of wanted out at that moment and you wanted to expose yeah it was the the doors out that i would close all the time Mm -hmm. like i did it in the hospital too right i closed that door of like here's a way to to really you know, sabotage things in a way. But at the same time, that's a type of sabotage that's actually a, a cry for help kind of. But it's scary the because then you're like, right? you you know you would lose that person and you and you would lose the illusion. I think that, yeah. and when we are in abusive relationships. I and think, I would lose my, my residence where I yeah, was living. Like all the things too, yeah. that were, that eventually I was able to, to get over and yeah. say this isn't worth it. And it's not going to get better enough or it, I might die before it gets better. I might yeah. get killed before it's it gets better. It's never worth it. I mean, I hear about people who have kids with abusers. And it's like, you, then right. you get to that point, you have to like, they're in your life forever. But she would talk about that all the time about having it's a so kid. It's so scary. Be like, are you fucking kidding me? Because they want to make you feel tied to them. Well, I think this is the thing. When you're in an abusive relationship, even if deep down you kind of know it, like there is this feeling of wanting to keep the illusion, right? Because as long as you're in it, for whatever reasons you have, you're in it and you want to stay in it you have to kind of maintain an illusion in order to move on. Otherwise, if you address all the shitty stuff that happened, you're like, this is crazy. So you maintain the illusion, but then at a certain point, you also hope that they maintain it. So if you call them out on being bad and they admit they were bad, then it's, you kind of hit this impasse where you're like, okay, what do you want me to do about that? Yeah, I'm fucked up and I hurt you. So you were the one that loves me. Mm-hmm. So now are we going to change this illusion where you're just agreeing to love a fucked up person? Or do we live in this illusion where it's not that bad and that's why we love each other. And it's so much easier to live in that second one than it is to be like, to pop the bubble. I'm loving an abuser and that's my choice. And what does that say about me? Exactly. Well, we, and we have psychological reasoning that does things where if, you know, someone does something to you, you have to make up reasons why, how they're so great that they're worth it, yeah. You know, like that's why they say if you if you ask someone for a favor, they like you more because when you do someone a fa- favor, <laughs> you you subconsciously create say this person's so great, I really should do they them a need, favor, oh, right? Interesting. That's a, another manipulative tip for the teens, right? Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's so so. There's all these these things like that, and it, and you know it, when you call them out, it's it's really you know the reactions mm. you get. Or, you know, and she would say, you're never going to leave me. It's never going to happen. And then also, like, even now that I have, it's very much like, a, you know, I think the story she probably is telling people is that we had an agreement, basically, mm-hmm. like, that it was all okay. And that's why he, he stayed with me as long as he did is, like, you know, he we had an agreement that I'm mentally ill and mm-hmm. all this fucked up stuff happens, but whatever. And then he left and now is doesn't like it anymore. And it's like, he's changing the story. And that's it's like, tough. Yeah. you know, you and can't, you can't worry about it. like, that's always going to happen. Cause it's like in an ideal situation, you're like, you move on and you heal and far away from them. But like the truth is, um, abusers are going to keep abusing and trying to change the narrative. And like, you kind of just have to, like, they might cause damage. It might happen and it's going to be painful, but I think you just have to work on your healing and not think about that. Cause it can be so, like devastated and just be like hung up on like what are they saying are, am I losing people and like people who know you know you and I think it's really tough I know but yeah I think that that's just kind of how it is because they're just gonna keep doing what they can to hang on to their illusion well and I am trying to heal because and that's part of this is yeah. like getting over the idea that I need to be like scared of this person or 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 take on this person's perspective of, of reality 
in order to survive. Yeah. You know, like I can't do that and I can't worry about doing that. And that might upset someone or other, but yeah, I need to be able to tell my truth and my story or whatever and not, you know, Mm -hmm. spend my time making, you know, spoof tribute, black and white (laughs) nonsense to worship fucking Louis CK and Woody Allen and all these fucked up people who aren't worth my time, even though I was, you know, raised going to Woody Allen movies, I don't, you know, have to watch them anymore, you know? And you can still, like, you don't have to, it doesn't erase your childhood and the influence it had on you. You can say, like, yeah, it's all part of it. You were raised watching them, and you didn't know that about them, and now you know that, and you have new information, and you can react accordingly. Right. It doesn't mean that those nice memories of watching it without knowing are gone. Yeah, and things are complex, and most things are not all good or all bad. There's usually a mix of things going on. Yeah, I say that to people who have problems um, believing that certain people can be abusive. I'm like, well, you know, they fooled the, all the people they abused. So why wouldn't they fool you? Like yeah. you could just be early on or they may never reveal that side to you. Yeah. Ab- abusers are smart. Like not all of them, but some of them are like, mm-hmm. they wouldn't abuse every single person in the world. That's so exhausting. Can you imagine? Yeah. So they, but you know, you just have to abuse one person to be a bad person. Like, I don't think, you know what I mean? And let's yeah. say you're like nice to 20 people and 20 people are like, this is the nicest person I've ever met. Yeah. And then they abuse one person. It's like, I don't know. It's, that's still bad. Like, I don't think that excuses it just because they're nice to 20 people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So what happened with the short? So you did shoot it or did we you? We shot it. Yeah, we finished it. Um, I remember very vividly picking out the music. I went to like all these old classical movies and like found like pieces of music and she would you know approve them and that did was one of my roles. Did you feel good about finishing it? Or oh were yeah you, we, we you were did? so okay. excited and <sighs> and got it screened in front of audiences and and you know it was you know people really like there were some people who really really liked it. Thing is it's I probably can't or shouldn't <gasps> watch it now. Uh, I'm a little scared too but mm. I remember being very proud of it and it might actually be a good piece of work to an extent right that's the other thing is that it's like something mm. that is as dark and fucked up and has a dark history behind it or whatever can you might as have a, a some kind of aesthetic value even but like whatever mm-hmm. it came out it had whatever little life it had as a short you know on the internet or on screenings mm-hmm. and stuff and then you know i had to go get follow-up appointments for to get my stitches out and like Hmm. And I had to, you know, and I talked to people about what was going on with me and they would give me different responses like get the fuck out or yeah. like that's really tough. I've been in toxic codependent stuff and I don't know what to tell you. Like it's really hard, you know, and I because I did try to start to get more perspective on what was going on, but I still I wasn't ready to leave. And instead, I just got really depressed and was in a really dark place and was suicidal and, you know, was in therapy, but but couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. and my therapist would say, if you accept the unacceptable it becomes acceptable. Right. Oh, you know, I hate when therapists are right. <laughs> yeah. And she's a very gentle per, yeah. you know, therapist. She didn't force me or be like, you have to do this or that. You have to do that. But, uh, you know, it was very much like a, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, but it took me, you know, not a whole year, but another eight, eight or nine months from there to get to the point of where I was strong enough to make healthier choices for mm-hmm. myself. Um, and like, and also there was another flare up that happened, you know, way mm-hmm. later that was again, like, you know, threats and you know not not actual physical violence but destroying my stuff and things like that this came you know months and months later and I finally was like oh this is the final straw and I have to leave yeah you know um but um but yeah so now 
um, I'm out and that's great. And I feel that's really, I'm glad you're out. Yeah. I'm glad you so feel better. So there's a happy ending. Here. Yeah. I think it's <laughs> always a long process and it's going to take time, but I think it's good to be out. And I think it's good that you have this perspective. I think those moments, like the real, I mean, like this seems like a big story, but the reason you chose this moment about the movie, I think was important because it seems like that may have been a point in your mind when you were like wanting to escape it a little bit. And maybe the, the fact that you called it a lie, right? It's like you, that means that you chose not to tell the truth, but you maybe wanted to, cause that would have been the moment, but you mm. weren't ready then. Mm. But then looking back now, I feel like you can learn a lot from those moments. Cause maybe next time there, hopefully yeah. it won't be next time, but if you're ever in a situation where you're like, I have this instinct to get out. Right. Hopefully you'll trust Let's it. Let's break then. the illusion because yes. it's not a healthy illusion. Cause you see, you've played it through and you've yeah. seen what happens if you shoot the movie and you get the thing and Something it didn't save the relationship. To be aware it, of in Los it Angeles. didn't make things better. It, maybe it felt worse. Cause now you have this piece of work that's always kind of tainted by this. And it's like, maybe if you had gotten out, you could have still worked with this, but you know what I mean? Like I, it's I mean, all, they're all things that like in the, mo in the moment it feels so like, no, it has to be this thing. I have to hold on to this. I'm shooting in three yeah. days. But then when you zoom back, you're like, well, if really it's just about shooting with this person, I could get out, I can cancel. And then maybe I could write my own thing and I can be like, Hey, I'd really love to like that. It's all possible. I can do this on my own. Yes. I don't need to be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to see that. I understand. Yeah. Cause when you're in it, it's just the thing. Like they also create this sense of urgency. I think. Yeah. Um, manipulative people try to make you like codependency all that they try to like uh, stoke that side of you so that you feel like really urgent you feel like attached and you can't lose the thing that's right in front of you yeah and she would use you know threats of self-injury self-harm yeah. you know to control me and to manipulate me and yeah but those and, threats and I believe that it, it also was real for her in the sense of like maybe mm. she really did want to kill herself but also it became you know About, yeah. whatever the intention was a way to control me and manipulate me it became a and threat to be scared and to be whatever yeah. and so and then also threats against me too when she was in a different oh, state it would be a different you know a different kind of anger state versus a sad state these different emotional things and I would just take it all for the most part as actual like this is the emotions we're feeling mm -hmm. right now and then also early on when i noticed that it was manipulation i would say manipulation like no no no, you can't say that word uh -huh. that's misrepresenting my mental illness oh my gosh i mean oh gosh there's this book yeah. i've talked about a couple times <laughs> on this pod but i would recommend it it's called the gift of fear especially i know this is heavy stuff if you guys are listening to this and you're interested in learning more about this type of pattern or behavior the gift of fear i feel like gets into it pretty well they talk about how to spot violence it's mostly about men, but I think you can apply it to anybody. Um, but it talks about this kind of thing, the way threats are threats. When someone makes a threat, they're assessing if the threat has value. And I didn't know this obviously, and most people don't, but if you hopefully you'll learn from this, but, um, you know, you gave your, her threats value by reacting to them. This example they use in the book I found really interesting was, um, someone getting blackmailed on the phone and sh they were saying, I'm going to release, like it was like an ex or something or someone that had like naked pictures of this girl and she was like i'm gonna um release them mm. it was a famous celebrity and it's like i'm gonna release them unless you pay me money and, and let your husband and tell your husband you know whatever and she said great let me get him on the phone and you can tell him right now and immediately disarms threat because mm. then he's like oh well i actually want money i don't want to tell your husband that's not Calling my goal is not to tell her goal is not to hurt herself her goal is to get the thing she wants from you so you're calling you, a bluff essentially yeah and even if you're like, okay, if the, 
you have to realize like what do they want it's not in that moment to hurt themselves it's to get something from you to get a reaction well you're seeing through it because mm -hmm. it's again it's like what you brought up earlier like a magic trick you're seeing through the magic trick into the where's the other bird you know and like not putting because like yeah a threat is a magic trick in a sense of like yeah they don't want you know they don't want to follow through on it because then they, they won't get the, what they, they want. They won't get the money, yeah. Right? Yeah. So you calling them on it or seeing through it is is diffusing the illusion or, or, or letting, yeah. the, you know. It does down. take a lot of, um, you know, quick thinking and understanding because, you know, your instinct is you don't want that thing because it would ruin it. But you're like, or we would accept the unacceptable. Like, that's shitty, but we'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. my husband loves me or whatever so mm-hmm. okay let's do that and then it's like they're not going to want that because then if they do that they have no power <laughs> do you remember when david letterman did that on like on tv no he was being like blackmailed or threatened oh my and gosh. he went up on his show and admitted to it all like he could he was like cheating on his wife with <gasps> wow women that he worked with no or something. and he went up on the late show and just oh my talked through the whole thing on tv because he's like this creepy person is blackmailing me and i just have to oh like come gosh. out with it because and yeah i remember watching that and it was just like the most insane fucking thing to see that and just the whole wow. audience just like froze there's an all live audience right yeah now, right? they're geez. just like frozen by it just bizarre stuff yeah so i hope that We've learned. I know today I, we talked about this being a comedy podcast, but I think it w- w- went I in a place the, that was important. I think there good. were funny parts, maybe. Look, it is okay. I think it was important and you were honest. And that is the spirit of the podcast. Um, I mean, the masturbation joke, he was quick with it, you know? <laughs> I thought you were going to circle it back to Louis with the masturbation, but... Um. <laughs> <laughs> we try to bring him up as little as possible yeah, that's these true. days. <laughs> um, yeah, the last time I saw him, he was actually opening a door, not blocking it, but uh, <laughs> it's true. He was opening the door at Nerdist anyways. Um, but I do believe he closes doors see that's another metaphor just yeah. because you only see someone doing one yeah. thing doesn't mean they don't do that the other thing exactly are um, we like way over time um i think we should wrap it, it up but no we did it okay i feel like there okay. was a lot to get through is there um did we leave anything out do you want to sum it up um like sort of how you're feeling now let the listeners know i now that um, you're through this i'm generally feeling a lot better it's been now almost a year since i left this toxic relationship and now then going on you know a little over a year and a half since this story that i told is Uh from right um and almost two years since me too movement started you know like things time passes and yeah and we've solved it me too's over right um no No, but like (laughs) i know yes things some ways get better but it's get better and get worse you know people are no i was kidding we're definitely still very much in it yes um but then also yeah um Hopefully there is progress. And I feel that way about myself too. Like I hope that I'm healing and progressing and time does help. Uh, This is something that I, you know, a year ago when I first left it, that was a lot of people were, I went a little crazy and was just Mm -hmm. like losing my mind a little bit, both on the internet and off on, as I said, Mm -hmm. I would go on stage and start talking about things that we're just shouldn't be talking on stage about yet. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's just, you know, um, you know, uh, and at the time people said, you just have to give things time. Yeah. time. Time pass. And, they would tell me like this, these, you know, people who are not good will reveal themselves to be not good, you know, like, and you don't, don't get caught up in proving it. Mm-hmm. There isn't a court of law right now for you to prove it in front of like, just let some time pass. And I now have to an extent, and that's been really nice. And there have been some recent moments lately where people have talked to me where they like apologized for how they treated me when I was got out mm. of this breakup because some people were really, like, turn like, former friends turn against me and some of them have apologized. That's been nice. You know, like mm-hmm. there has been this sort of sense of, Oh, time did pass. And like, 
things can be okay, you know? And, you know, uh, I can, you know, get through this and I can heal and it's possible and, but it's an ongoing process and I go to therapy every week and, you know, all these other things that I should be doing that I'm not doing yet, but you know, reading books about yeah, it. I think you're doing great. It. I think that's really great. And I think that, um, you'll keep healing and it will keep getting better. So I'm really grateful that you shared that story. I know it probably wasn't easy to tell. Thank so, you um, so much, Teresa, for letting me tell it on your podcast. Yeah, of course. It's a, a lot to talk about. Of course. Um, where can people find you if they want to? Oh, my internet fo- plugins, your, plug yeah, away. Your, comedy uh, or if they want to tell you how touched they were by your story okay yeah uh we <laughs> could do that uh my should i just say my instagram sure i, I mean uh, whatever I you should yeah, you, have, you have instagram right? way yeah. i can also put okay, I give you my phone number too no don't do that <laughs> um no generally I'm, people just plug their i'm just co- totally com- kidding com- yeah you know obviously not gonna get my phone number um <laughs> give them my address um no don't do that either um to no uh, yeah so <laughs> Uh, my Instagram, I guess, uh, my Instagram is at Robbie Bruins, spelled uh-huh. R-O-B-B-I-E-B-R-U-E-N-Z. Uh, and go watch Last Show in the World Last every show Wednesday. The world, every Wednesday. Wednesday. It's yeah. a great show. Um, you can follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod, or you can follow me at Larissa T or email me, tell me anything pod at gmail.com. I know it was a heavy episode, but if you guys um, have anything thoughts to share, we'd love to hear them. Thank you guys so much. Goodbye. Bye.